Today's episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast is brought to you by The Two Lives of Sarah From the author of Saving Ruby King comes The Two Lives of Sarah A story of hope, resilience, and unexpected love As one young mother finds refuge and friendship at a boarding house in Memphis during the 1960s The Two Lives of Sarah is available wherever books are sold Welcome to another episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast Show. My name is Jamie, and I'm your host, along with Angelica, our moderator, and our host, Ryan. As always, we break down the episode and let you know what we thought about what happened. And Angelica moderates and gives us a summary of what takes place in the episode. Today, we are recapping episode seven, Driftmark. Welcome to another new episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast Show. My name is Jamie, and I have here Angelica and Ryan, our hosts. Hey, y'all. Hello. Hey, hey. So we are going to visit episode seven, which you guys live tweeted with us tonight, aptly titled Driftmark. I think that this episode is... Actually, one of my favorites so far. This was intense by all aspects of this show. And every character gave their all as well. And every actor gave their all performance-wise. And we'll dive into that. Uh, But yeah, Angelica, take it away. Episode 7, Driftmark. Thanks. So I actually agree with you. I think... So after watching The Wedding episode, I was like, oh, this is my favorite. And then I really liked the episode after that. But then I realized after watching this episode that I like, basically, this is my top two. So the wedding episode and this episode, Driftmark, are now my favorites as far as the season's concerned. And I'm just feeling like after every episode, like the show's building one after the other, each episode is better than the last. So I'm really loving direction of this show and just how it just started off so strongly. So yeah, let's get into it. Um... Let's as always. Let's take a step back to last week um, with the princess and the queen. Uh, Twitter was <laughs> really thrown off by Aegon's peculiar way of getting off. Um, <laughs> I, I noted in our recap last week that that window looked like the same window that uh, King Tommen jumped out of, and someone also a bunch of people also noticed that similarity and said that window has been through enough. <laughs> the window needs therapy at this point. <laughs> the window needs therapy. And a lot of people made comparisons to Aegon basically having Joffrey vibes. Um, you know, petulant, spoiled little prince. So I definitely saw those those comparisons being drawn. Um, they were also in shambles over the death of Lena. Uh, they, you know, a lot of people do appreciate the way that she went out, um, despite the fact that they only really got a few episodes with her and really only this episode with her adult version. So a lot of people were really, really heartbroken over that, even though we didn't get to spend much time with her and also equally heartbroken about Sir Harwin's death. Um, you know, him, him being eye candy for the, for the little bit of time that we saw him. Um, so based off of these two character deaths, obviously we can't forget, forget Sir Lionel. Um, 
that some people are speculating that the show might be rushing it. Like they feel like they're rushing the storyline. I'm personally okay with the pacing. What do you guys think? We're so used to shows having slow pacing and and building up exposition and exposition is important obviously it helps us understand a character it helps us understand the story but sometimes shows do it so much um with with so much detail that you kind of suffer from ADD a little bit and um and the pacing is com- it compromises the the entertainment value of the show and even season one of game of thrones truth be told if you go back to season one those first three episodes dragged it really wasn't until after season or episode three that it started to pick up the pace a little bit so i think game of thrones fans are used to that slower pace and this may seem like it's too rushed but in my opinion i think the pacing is perfect i prefer this pacing over what Game of Thrones presented us in season one and them doing this story building and all of this, you know, my favorite term, character development, like all of that, because that just sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it can get kind of boring, you know, and then and then you do kind of feel like it's a little bit of a snooze fest. So every episode, like you mentioned, Angelica, as it builds from one episode to the next, it gets better and better and it builds and builds and builds. And that's what makes compelling TV. So I think that they're doing a great job with the pacing of the storytelling and keep at it. I wish more TV shows would actually follow suit. Yeah, I'm okay with the pacing. I mean, I just want it uh, uh, laying, around, laying around because I just wanted to see her more. Like, I didn't think they were rushing it, but I just enjoyed the character and just wanted to see it see more of it, but I know they're following the book, you know, in that manner. So, um, yeah, I think it's just a thing where they're just doing, these actors are just killing it so well that you just want to see them more. So it just feels like, oh man, they were here for like a, a whole episode and it's like, oh, and they're gone. So yeah, that's just my, my perspective on it. Yeah. I think, um, house of the dragon benefits from the fact that it doesn't really have to world build because game of thrones really took care of all of that so we kind of know you know the landscape and the the hierarchy and how things work we just happen to be introduced to new characters and then i'll also add that game of thrones covers roughly uh seven years seven to eight years over the course of eight seasons Whereas House of the Dragon actually has to cover about 35 years. And I believe what's out there about the seasons is about maybe three to four. So the time jumps are kind of essential. And you have to understand that this season is really the preamble to the Dance of the Dragons. They're trying to get to the dance. So some of the characters that we like so much, Lena, Sir Harwin, they're not really as important to the story, hence why they get killed off so quickly. And... Once we get into this episode, we'll learn that it's really not just about Rainier and Allison. It's also about their children. So we're all trying to get to this this point. And so, you know, my expectations are we'll start with the Dance of the Dragon by the end uh, by the end of the season and kind of getting into the meat of it uh, season two. So. Like, I'm with you. I, I think the pacing is just fine. I mean, I'd much rather have them get straight to the action than have all this stuff that could have been left off screen, which 
that's what they did. So anyways, glad and, we're on the same page. And I, I want to oh, add just, uh, yeah, I just want to add one thing too. As far as Lady Lena is concerned, I think the thing that I really would have liked to have seen from Lady Lena's character is um, actually the relationship between Lena and Damon. Like what was it that Lena gave Damon that uh, Rhea Royce and Mysteria couldn't? You know, what was it that helped him, you know, fall in love with her and have children with her? And like, he did seem like he was happy in Pentos and and that they did have a happy marriage. So I would have liked to have seen a little bit of that build up, you know, between them two. Um, So if anything, if I'm going to criticize something, that would have been nice to have seen that story arc play out a little bit. Gotcha. And then I think some people have also had the same sentiment with Harwin. They would have liked to see some of the romance between Rhaenyra and Harwin. Um, but you can see it in their eyes. They, they're they very smitten with each other. But yeah, RIP to those two. Uh, so speaking of, you know, pouring one out for the homies, uh, Lena's funeral is underway at Driftmark. Uh, Viserys and company, along with Rhaenyra, have arrived to mourn Lena's passing. I'll add that they changed the events of Lena's death a little bit from the books. She actually had the twins. I don't know if they're twins on this show because it, it looks like there's a bit of an age difference and even a height difference. But she had the twins in Pentos and then she ended up getting her wish and she went back to Driftmark where she tried to give birth to her third child, which she did give birth, but the baby died. And then that's when she had like the labor sick or fever or baby fever or whatever you call it. And, you know, collapsed in front of Vagar. And actually, she was really close to Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra was actually there during her death. And her and Damon actually watched over her body um, after she died. So they changed things around a little bit. But in any case, everyone's back in town for her her funeral. And uh, Vaemon Valerian gives a really touching eulogy in High Valerian. Um, and Aegon looks kind of bored to tears and Damon starts to laugh during, you know, Vayman's speech. He says, and I, I, it took me a second to figure out like why Damon was laughing, but this is what Vayman says. And I think the conclusion is kind of gross, but anyway, he says like salt courses through Valerian blood, ours runs thick, ours runs true and ours must never thin. And I'm, I guess Damon's comparing it to like, not to be gross, but to semen. So he just starts to giggle, which was kind of inappropriate. And then Corley's looks at him like, dude, are you seriously giggling at my daughter's funeral? Um, <laughs> so he just had his head in the gutter. And then we also get a shot of Otto. He's in attendance. And obviously he's been reinstated as Hand of the King. So, you know, he's wearing his little, his badge. And then we see Lenor, who's obviously visibly distraught over the death of his sister, you know, he's weeping over the loss of her. Um, so her body ends up being, I guess, buried in an interesting way. They have this beautiful carved coffin made in her image. The coffin is pulled over a cliff and then it falls into the sea. And that's how her body's laid to rest. Um, so I'll stop there for your thoughts on her funeral. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, it with Damon. I didn't I didn't even get that. I thought um, obviously it's very inappropriate that he's laughing, um, but it's but it's Damon. So, but I was thinking that he was reading into like because it was such an awkward tension, you know, with this divide that's in the family and everybody that was standing there. 
And then when I heard Vaymon kind of giving like his words and everything, I thought he was kind of like saying what was going on, like kind of addressing the elephant in the room, but still at the same time as his speech for Lena. So I thought maybe Damon was reacting to that. That's what I picked up. But I don't know. I mean, it's Damon. So maybe, I mean, I guess who knows? But I mean, you know, obviously the main thing is that I don't know why you're laughing in front of like everybody else is in like people are in tears and everything. Um, you know, and I guess maybe he just doesn't handle those kind of situations appropriately. Like he's just not that type of person that you're going to see crying. And I feel like in those situations uh, or keeping to himself. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't even think. I mean, you know, it's Damon. It's Damon. So it could be like 10 different options. Like, who knows? It was just like, why is it he just, you know, he doesn't play like status quo. So who even knows what he was doing? But yeah, I was like, come on now. But yeah, this scene was like, you could just cut the tension with all the looks everybody was giving everybody. Um, you know, it was heartbreaking to see the daughters. Um, like you say, Lanar, like he took it, like, you know, obviously took it the hardest and you see him crying and that's just, that's just breaking your heart. So yeah, it, it was rough to open up this scene. Uh, obviously we needed it. Cause I know a lot of people were talking about, they felt it was rush. You know, you didn't want them to kind of just skip over like, oh, okay, on to the next thing. So, um, and you get to see her family come back. It's a sad occasion, but at least you get to see Corliss and everybody come back. Um, kind of wonder what's been going on with them and Driftmark and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So, Damon, stop laughing at funerals. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, Ryan, you kind of touched on a little bit. Damon, I get the sense that people react to grief in different ways. And maybe this is just his way of reacting is to laugh. Uh, we do know that Damon is a very arrogant character. He's a prick. He's... All of the things that annoy us and get under our skin, but maybe this is just his way of relieving the grief that he's dealing with, and it's through laughter. Um, and you know, he had kind of a moment of hysteria with this laughter. I, I you know, I don't know. That's that's my guess with the situation. I, I was not reading deeply into the semen situation. <laughs> um. <laughs> I just was like, I had to, I had to rewind it. I was just like, ah. Maybe it's the, the thickness compared. I don't know. I, I just, that's the part we laughed at. Like, he was like, it our runs thick and then we can't let it thin. And he was like, giggle, giggle. So, I don't know. I, it, I mean, you could be on to something. That that does seem like that would be coursing through his mind uh, while this very serious event is going on. But one thing that did make me laugh was cutting to the shot of Otto and then the camera pans down and you see him wearing the emblem showing that he's the hand the pen rather showing that he's the hand of the king that just made uh, me laugh out loud when i saw that because i'm like wow <laughs> like bro you went in there with a quickness and we of course we knew after larry's play here with getting rid of his own father um and brother no less that that was going to happen but i was just like wow it just the, the 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 swiftness, the expeditious manner in seeing Otto just swoop right in <laughs> um, and and taking over that position. It just it, it actually brought me to laughter when I saw that scene. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Fortune favors him. So. Um, <laughs> so um, as five dragons, I was like, oh, this is the most 
dragons we've ever seen on screen together. So five dragons, which belong obviously to the Targaryens and the Valarians, circle Driftmark. Um, the guests gather uh, for Lena's funeral reception. Um, this is the first time everyone's kind of been together in quite some time. And as you guys have mentioned, the tension is super thick. Um, Rhaenyra enters and her eyes are fixed on Damon, but she doesn't approach him. Allison and Kristen are off in a corner and they're watching Rhaenyra and Viserys and Damon keep looking at each other, but no one says anything. So Rhaenyra ends up making her way over to Jaceres, and I'm just going to call him Jace because that's what they call him. And she tells him to comfort Bela and Reyna as they've just lost their mother. And Jace is like, I mean, I should be afforded the same sympathy. I lost a parent too. You know, we should be mourning at Hall over the loss of Sir Harwin and Lionel Strong. And Rhaenyra tells him like that would be inappropriate and encourages him to speak to the girls as the Valarians are not only family, but they're also their closest allies. So Jace reluctantly walks over to the girls and they're sitting on a bench and they're obviously crying. And he doesn't say much, but Bela reaches out to hold his hand and Jace actually kind of smiles and holds her hand back. Um, so Rainey's ends up approaching the girls and tries to comfort them. And Jace actually steps away to give them a bit of privacy. And I feel so bad for little Raina. She cries and she says, she's like, I wish mother wasn't gone. And I'm just like, oh, poor baby. So uh, I'll stop there briefly because much like the wedding, there's a lot going on during this funeral reception. Yeah, this, this funeral reception, boy, this got to go down into the, the dragon book of records or something. This, it, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I love the five dragon circling. That was probably like one of my favorite, just like um, op- like coming in shots that I thought, I thought that was done beautifully. I thought it was so cool to have the Valerians and Targaryens in one area, even though it was super, super tense. Um, Allison and Kristen, I was like, hurry up and get off they scene. I don't know what they doing. Uh, Kristen, we know always is doing something, something sketch because he's just all in his feelings forever. Um, but yeah, I, and I just thought like, you know, Jace, like the moment with the girls, that was so cute. Like, I, I, I know he was like feeling some type of way too. He's lost his dad. It's an awkward situation he's in. There's rumors going around all the time surrounding him. And just to have that moment where they didn't really have to say anything to each other um, and just kind of sit there and sit in the Greek for a little bit, you know, however quick it lasted. Um, I thought just was like a cute moment. And this episode was really about the kids. And I thought that was really interesting the way they, they way they play them in and out this episode. Yeah, you could really cut the tension with a knife. I mean, seeing Allison and Kristen and Rhaenyra uh, and Damon and just everybody giving each other the evil eye was just very, very compelling to watch. As far as the scenes with the children, this is just some great foreshadowing that we're seeing, especially between Bela and Jace, uh, because Mm -hmm. they're friendship their relationship um plays into a very significant uh role later on in the episode so just seeing this moment between them two holding hands and him sort of even like being like a protector for her i just thought that that was a great uh moment of foreshadowing and just again storytelling (laughs) um and this character development and character (laughs) development (laughs) that we get to see um which is very important um it it speaks to jace's character um and also why is jace the only one concerned about his parentage seems like the other brothers don't really question it or we we don't see any scenes at least with them talking about it jace is the only one that seems to really care about harwin so i find that to be interesting 
Yeah, we'll get to that later on in the episode. Um, but Jace seems to be the only one thus far that surmised that um, Harwin is his father. So I'm not even sure if Lucyrus knows. I think they call him Luke. I appreciate the nicknames because it kind of <laughs> makes it easier to, to say their names because everybody's there's so many different Jaharis, series. Anyways, off of that. So um, Agand and Eamon watch Helena as she examines a spider. And once again, she's talking to herself. Uh, she says, dragons of flesh weave in dragons of thread. And as we all know as viewers, uh, Helena has prophetic powers, prophetic gifts. So this means something later down the line. Um, Aegon basically calls his sister weird. He says they have nothing in common. And he's kind of uneasy with the fact that he has to marry her one day. Um, and Aemon tells him that if he were to marry a Helena, he would do his duty as her husband and strengthen their Valyrian bloodline. Aegon brushes this off. He's like, okay, well then you marry her. And he orders a servant to get him more drinks. And this seemed, I mean, it's not appropriate, but he was like, wench, fetch me another drink. I was like, this guy is the biggest jerk. Even Aegon's like, or even Aemon's like, Aegon, you're like, like, he's kind of a prick too. So anyways, um. Eamon wanders over to where Jace is standing and tries to talk to him, but Jace is pretty quiet and sullen, so Eamon ends up walking away. Um, so as this scene is broken up by each set of characters, I'm going to stop there for your comments. I tell you, if Aegon ain't like his daddy with that always drinking something, the boys stay just like grabbing drinks and stuff, and I just be like, come on. Like he already, I don't know, I just, it's like just fuel to the fire. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have to watch him. But yeah, he's he's definitely on that jerk level. And it's just like that's getting real dangerous. Um uh Helena, just let us know what's going on, girl. Like tell us what the secret is. Cause I know she's working on something that we don't know. So I just wanna know what the secret is, cause she's always off playing with the critters and the animals and everything. And you know, I mean, these are just some weird kids. But I mean, <laughs> I guess it's gonna come to a head. Like Allison got like the interesting bunch of kids. I'll just say, like every time they're in a room together, just the way they play off of each other is. So yeah, I I'm just gonna hold on and hold on for the ride and see where it goes. Gotcha, Jamie. Yeah, I mean it's it's so interesting how the Targaryen kids. I mean they're all I guess well eh, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 blondes it's so interesting to see how the blonde haired targaryens are their personality in contrast to um um Rhaenyra's kids which you know we know that their their father is sir harwin strong but they're they're a little bit more balanced they're you know more good natured you know but these kids, Aegon and Aemon, they're they're bad. They're just they're they're like the bad seed. I mean, I, I, it's just, I, and I don't know really where they get it from because Viserys is not a bad guy. Um, and right. and even his father was a peaceful king, so I, I guess it goes further down. <laughs> Maybe the great grandfather. I don't know, but uh, I I just uh, I find it very. Um, it, it just—it's—it's it's an inquiry that I have about the the nature of these kids and their behavior. So that's really all I have to add to that is just um, that. And then as far as Helena's uh, quote, "Dragons of flesh weaving dragons of thread," I—I I really would love to know what that means. That's a riddle that I'd like to solve. Like I know a little bit about what happens in the Dance of Dragons, but what specifically does that line prophetically allude to? You know. 
Okay. I think that might be answered later on in the episode, but that's just me drawing my own conclusions. I don't know if that's also going to translate to later down the line. So we'll, we'll get to that. Um, so uh, Chris, Kristen is um, noting that Larry's keeps staring at Allison openly and unabashedly. And Allison dismisses his looks as, you know, him just being full filled with pride because he's recently been named Lord of Harrenhal. And um, we actually also see Corley speaking with Luke and he tells him that since his brother will be king, he will be Lord of Driftmark and Master of Tides. He tells Lucyrus Luke that he will be Lord over the sea while his brother will be Lord over the Second Kingdoms. Luke doesn't want the job. And it's like just like a little kid. He's like, I don't want it because everyone I love will be dead. And then he just walks away <laughs> and leaves kind of Corley's just kind of standing there. Um, I guess this is a good point to stop so you can comment on those those two exchanges before I head off to the next part of the reception. <sighs> Larry's, yeah. That guy. Um I, I guess it's I guess it's interesting now he's Lord of, of Hearing All. We knew he was I still can't get over the fact like I know people are talking about that on Twitter. He took out both like all like basically his brother, his father. So now it's like I'm 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 you know I'm the captain now basically so this dude I don't know he's scary he's scary because he just he just kind of lurks and he's kind of waiting and then like I don't know if it's him or Allison that sometimes is making the decisions and, and how they feel about each other so that's always going to be interesting um and Kristen is just there because you know he's just there because he's just still kind of complaining off to the side uh yeah I mean I don't have I don't know if I had too much too much about this scene but um yeah, you just, I, I think the only thing I took from this is I'm just kind of trying to figure out Larry's like where, where he's going next and, and, and um, his next moves. Uh, Jamie, I'll pass it over to you. First of all, we, have we established the fact that Larry's name in and of itself is a combination of Littlefinger and Varys? Have we had that conversation? No, shoot. <laughs> we haven't. But no, it's definitely man. been brought up. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, 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 he is something. I, I absolutely enjoy watching the actor Matthew Needham play this role. I think he's all, also probably really enjoying it. And uh, those shifty looks, those stares are just everything to me. And him even looking at Allison like, you ready for me to return the favor? Kind of like, <laughs> it's just so hilarious to me. But um, I'm I'm still not clear on what his motives are. Yes, he became Lord of Harrenhal, but is money, is power really his motives? Because he could have gotten money way, way back when he knew what was going down. Um, and I just don't know if killing your brother and your father <laughs> is uh, something that is a part of the plan to just get money. So yeah, I'm 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 still kind of curious what his motives are, and uh, he's he's an he's an anomaly. He's definitely someone that is very unique compared to other spiders of his past, like the little fingers and the varies of the world, uh-huh. or his future actually. Since or yeah, or his yeah his future <laughs> technically. Yes, you're right. <laughs> um but i will i was gonna say and this is uh, you know upon rewatching the last episode i don't know if harwin was his intended target i i know that he wanted to kill his father 
because he wanted Otto to be Hand of the King, I think Harwin might have been collateral damage. Because if you notice, Harwin wasn't in the room when that part of the castle was set on fire, but he ran there to like save his father and the roof, uh, roof collapsed on him. So I think it's just like the cherry on top of the Sunday that he got rid of his father, did a favor for Allison, Otto's now the new hand, and now on top of that, he's Lord of Hall. So who knows? Um... But uh, any thoughts on what transpired between Corlys and Luke about him being the the new lord or master of tides? Um, I like the way Cor- uh, Corlys is kind of taken to to um, to Luke and to Jace because um, I didn't expect it because you know everything that you hear not like he would be that guy but you know you just kind of wonder what the interaction is going to be like um, and you know and how he's feeling now you know he's at the funeral of his daughter. So I, I thought I was I felt so sad for him for for Luke Dota or to just kind of grab like he had the little toy dragon in his hand and he was just so hurt. He was just like, I don't want to do it because everybody's going to die. And I just I don't know. I just felt so hurt for him in, in that scene. And just like the kids, like you think about the different ages because you forget sometime because I think what goes so quickly in these shows is how how much they have, like how much responsibility they take on at a certain age and like what they go through. And it's like, oh, but I'm 12. So it's just like you forget those little moments until you see like little Luke sitting there crying with his little toy and like, well, I don't want that kind of responsibility. Like, I don't want that to be my future. So I thought that was a very interesting scene for them to for them to put in. Going really quick to Luce, uh, not Lucerys, but to, to Larry's, um, there's also theories out there that he did what he did because Sir Harwin's extracurricular activities put a stain on the reputation of the Strongs. And that's why he had taken out his own brother. Um, so it, it, there's there's so many things to be said about that, but Larry's, man, bro, you are a trip. Uh, going to Corlys, this, this was an interesting conversation. I'm, I'm a little surprised that he's very eager to have Lucerys be the Master of Tides because everybody pretty much knows the scandal that's happened <laughs> and that right. Lucerys is not uh, his son's father. Um, so, you know, is not his grandson by blood. So mm-hmm. I think that it's still interesting that Corliss is like, yeah, but you're still going to be the master of tides. So that, that was a little bit of a, you know, that, that was an unexpected shift for me given Corliss behavior throughout these episodes he seems you know very set in his ways he seems very set in tradition and rules and beliefs um kind of almost the way Allison is with you know traditions and rules and sticking by that and obviously Allison is very mad because of the of her her own set of beliefs um and and a lot of that plays into her faith and, and her religion but yeah, I, I I got the sense that Corliss was kind of similar, um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe he's a little bit more liberal than I thought. So this was this was a little bit of a different expectation that I that I thought came out of this uh, this scene. So Rhaenyra still is watching Damon, um, but she's aware of the eyes on her, so she doesn't approach him. And ends up deciding to get a drink. And Rainey's also gets a drink nearby, but doesn't talk to her. So there's a lot of people interacting with each other and running into each other and not saying a word. Um, Corliss ends up noticing Laenor wading waist deep into the sea. Obviously, he's still dealing with the grief 
of losing his sister. He's rocking slowly. He's crying. I thought he was going to drown himself, to be quite honest. thought he was going to step into the sea. Um, but Corlys ends up sending Sir Carl to retrieve him. And he's like, go, go get your patron. Uh, which I guess that was some type of jab at Carl. Because I guess Lenor like, dresses him up and gives him money. Anyways, so it it was kind of a heated exchange and Vayman actually tells Corlys to calm down. Um, So Viserys, after exchanging evil eyes at Daemon, the whole funeral reception, he finally goes over to talk to Daemon. Um, He tells him that the girl is the very image of their mother, a comfort and an anguish, which he's obviously very familiar with. And he says that the gods have been cruel. And of course, Damon always hits back with something funny or sarcastic. And he notes, well, the guys have been especially cruel to you, haven't they, brother? <laughs> so um, if the series attempts to make peace with Damon, he asks him to return to King's Landing. But Damon insists that his home is in Pentos. Uh, that's also the home of his daughters. Viserys is just like, dude, it's been years. Let it go. You know, you need your family. You belong with us. And Damon declares he doesn't need anyone or anything. And then he leaves. On the way out, Otto stops him to offer his condolences. And Damon pretty much spits at him and says, no matter how fat the leech grows, it always wants for another meal. And he takes his leave. Uh, so I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, uh, Renera and Damon, like, I, the, the looks they kept giving each other during this ceremony, I was like, okay, now when are they going to go talk? Because she's just going to keep looking at him. Because they just kept on, like, she kept meeting his, his gaze over there as they, as, um, as Damon kept walking around. Um, man, my boy, Lanar, I want to go get, I want to go out there and give him a hug. I just, I felt so, like, it was so sad. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, I just felt so bad for him. Um, you know, everybody else has kind of got their, like, you know, robberies each others and this and that. He is just truly just, like, heartbroken, standing in the sea. And so it was just interesting to see them cut from that, like, to him, to back to all the other tomfoolery that was going on at the, the funeral, like, reception and everything. Like, that was that was intense. And then um, I love the Viserys comments, like, about his looks. So I was digging, um, I was kind of digging through, like, looking at some reviews. Is he missing an arm? I just didn't even pay attention to that. Man, I totally missed that. Yeah, I totally missed that. I saw people pointing that out. And I was like, man. So now, so the Crypt Keeper is missing an arm now. I was like, well, okay. So, um, but yeah, so you know Damon got to make a crack because he's not going to get, I feel like, like Jamie was saying earlier, he's not going to get too sentimental about it. Like, he's probably feeling some type of way, but he's just going to, you know, keep it, keep it pushing, brush it off. Because obviously, um, Lena had to mean something to him for him to be the, you know, he settled down. He was a, you know, he was a husband. He was a, like, he's a dad. So, yeah. I feel like he's just going to keep kind of brushing off and not really talk about it. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm appreciating any shade that gets thrown Otto's way because Otto is like, I just, I was just so through. When I saw he was the hand again, I was like, I'm done. Because I knew he was going to come back, but I didn't know it was going to be like that and so quick. That's somebody that I wish they would have, like, just did something else with so I don't have to see anymore. But he's coming back to finish his story. But I was just like, I, like, I was not a fan of seeing him be the hand anymore. So I love Damon coming at him ready to go because yeah Otto's definitely working on some stuff Jamie yeah so um let's see let me start with the exchange or the non-exchange if you will between Reyna's and Rhaenyra this is just the beginning of like well first of all Rhaenyra has kind of stepped in it right with this (laughs) with birthing these bastards and um she's 
really creating a um what's the word that I'm looking for? She's 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 creating a lot of division between her family and the Valarians here. So I think Rain is is kind of had it at this point. So this is pay attention to this moment because it does kind of play out a little bit later. But I just like seeing that you know kind of she just walks past her. You know, Rhaenyra looks like she wants to say something to her, and Rainey's is mm-hmm. like, I ain't, I ain't got ain't nobody got time for that. So that was funny <laughs> to me, and um. The the situation with Corlys and him seeing Laner out to sea and then him approaching Sir Carl, I just thought that was a little, I'm going to make my assumption of what I think it meant. But at first I didn't understand it because I'm like, why is he getting mad about him being out at sea mourning the death of his sister? But I'm thinking maybe he wants him to be, you know, kind of man up and, and be there amongst all of the group of everybody else that's sort of huddled together and socializing and he's by himself and woe is me and, you know, feeling sorry for himself. Um, and maybe that demonstrates a sign of weakness. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I was just like, Corlys, give him a break. His sister just died. Let him be, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so, that, you know, stop being so hard on your son. So that was interesting. And um, Damon is funny. That, <laughs> when he said the God, look like the gods have been cruel to you, sir. That was hilarious <laughs> to me. Because <laughs> it's true. Viserys, like you said, Ryan, he is falling apart. Like he lost his fingers. He's lost an arm. Yeah. He looks like the Crypt Keeper. He is like walking death right now so yeah the gods have been cruel to him um and i do like the fact that he is trying to make amends and have damon come back to king's landing and it's like come on let's just put the past behind us let the years that have passed be that um but damon's like nah bro i'm staying in pen like nobody can convince him <laughs> his wife couldn't convince him his dad or his brother can't convince him so he he is staying in pentos regardless so it's yeah i mean i feel like damon's fed up with getting kicked out of king's landing so much so he's like i'm just going to yep. stay put he's like i just want just, peace that's all i yeah. want it's just some peace yeah <laughs> just some peace and quiet yeah so um <laughs> Rhaenyra sends the boys to bed. The series also decides to go to bed. You know, the sun's starting to go down. And I thought this was interesting. Sir Harold asks if he should stay behind with Queen Alicent. And the series says it won't be necessary. So he, Sir Harold tells Kristen that he has night watch. And he leaves with the king. Um, Carl actually brings Laenor back to the reception. And he leads Laenor to Corlys. But Lanor shakes Carl off and drunkenly stumbles away, which basically pisses off Corliss even more. Like his son is making a spectacle of himself. And speaking of spectacles, Otto also finds a really, really drunk Aegon <laughs> half asleep against the flight of stairs. Otto kind of like boxes his ears and sends him to bed, which leaves Aemon unattended for the night. Um, so all of that will play out in the next few scenes, but this next exchange I thought was pretty interesting. So Rhaenys and Corlys have a heated discussion in the Hall of Nine. Um, Rhaenys is sitting by the fireplace. She's like taking off all her jewelry after this long day. And she expresses anger at the fact that Damon 
kept Elena from coming home and kept her in pentos against her wishes. Um, she believes Lena's life would have been saved if she was home at Driftmark with the aid of their maesters. But Corliss is pretty insistent that the surgeons of Pentos are just as well trained as their maesters. And Rainey's is just looking to place blame on something that was the will of the gods. Rainey's actually believes the gods have scorned him due to Corliss's actions. Um, and he's like, you know, the crown that was that was yours was plucked from your head by these fools. And all he wants to do is make it right. And she tells him, like, I have let that crown go a generation ago. And you want to win it so bad at the expense of your own children. And he's just like, you know, in this short mortal life, legacy is all we have. And so she's like, OK, you're talking about legacy. I want to honor Lena's legacy by naming Bela heir to Driftmark um, because she knows Rainier's children aren't Lenor's natural children. Um and Corliss is like, you know, if you disinherit Lucyrus, you will only give further credence to the claims that the boys are illegitimate. And he tells Rainey's that history does not remember blood. It remembers names. So I'll stop there. Um, I guess I'll start with uh, with Otto, um, with uh, Aegon. I think he like kicked him or something too, didn't he? And I was just like, come on now. Like, because we know Aegon is on that tip and he shouldn't have been drunk over in the corner. But I was like, yeah, that kind of stuff is not helping. Like, I can see, like, him kind of taking Aegon, like, under his tutelage or something and just like, so this is how you get ready to, you know, shape him up or tell him to act right. And it's just like, yeah, that's not the way to do it. So I'm very nervous for that relationship. I was like, yeah, that's like your, I guess that's your dream grandfather, huh? I was like, this guy. But anyway, I guess that's that's auto for you. Um, yeah, Rainey's and Corliss conversation. Corliss, I think it's, it's always so interesting to see his, um, how tied he is to legacy and um Rainey's is like look I lost my daughter she should have been here I don't understand what you're talking about right now why is this drive for the for the crown so important to you like I'm the one that lost the crown let it go so I think it's just interesting to finally hear them have like that that conversation that we kind of know goes on from time to time between them and while Rainey's is just like look I'm done with the fight and he's like no you got to keep like they shouldn't have took the crown for you we need to keep going after this so it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of continues to play in their relationship and, you know, what's happening to their family and just like the Valorians of a, as a whole um, with the Targaryens. I think it's going to be just really interesting to see that play out. And um, I kind of skipped over Lanar, like, but I, I think he actually, I, I think he just needs a moment. And I hope in Corliss just kind of, you know, just let him be for a little bit because, you know, obviously he's drunk. Still feeling about his sister. So he just needs like a just a, yeah, he just needs like a little breather. So he had me like very nervous. Like I was like you, Angelica, at the very beginning where I thought he was going to go off into the ocean because he just is like about had it with everything. You can just tell by like his face and everything. Look like he hasn't, you know, slept like obvious reasons and everything like that. So hopefully he gets his like little breather moment and everything. But yeah, I, I liked it. I like seeing this this side of the Valerians like kind of open up this door a little bit more because I feel like you kind of get little bits and pieces and so it was interesting to see them come back into the story in this way and then see the different dynamics um, in relationships. Uh, Jamie? Yeah, um, just going a little bit further back, because I forgot to comment on the comment that Damon made to Otto, no matter how fat the leech grows, it always wants for another meal. I'm just glad that Damon took a dig at Otto because 
I'm really hating on Otto right now. Um, so <laughs> yes, <laughs> go go Damon for those points. I'm not a big fan of Damon, but in this case, I am. Um, and then I'll just skip down to the conversation between Rainey's and Corla's. I just think that uh, I feel like Corla's is kind of doubling down on his political moves that didn't quite pan out the way he had expected. And maybe if things were different, he may have gone a different route with um, how he's, I guess, making these choices. But as far as this goes, um, he's not wrong in telling her that history does not remember blood, it remembers names, because that's the whole reason why this whole thing is messy anyway, with the secession of heirs and the Targaryen family, because a whole bunch of Targaryens were named heirs that shouldn't have been named heirs <laughs> even prior to Viserys getting um, the the role as king. So it's been messy for quite a while and uh, the rules of being bound by blood has not really been happening and people don't know how to keep things in their pants and they're fathering bastard kids and <laughs> doing all of that stuff too. Um, so yeah, I, it, it's unfortunate that this is now all of a sudden a rule when women and girls come into play when it comes to secession, but, uh, history has shown that, that that's what's happening now. There's Targaryens in the, uh, past lineage that weren't technically Targaryens, but they were given that, uh, they were given the, that royal, uh, name, so to speak. So, yeah, that's all I have to add. Yeah, it, uh, later on in the history between now and the events of Game of Thrones, um, there's a lot of, of bastard-born uh, Targaryens who are actually, their descendants are called Blackfires, and there's like three different Blackfire rebellions contesting for the throne because they still have the blood, even though they don't have the name. And yeah, so you're right. It's, it's, it's a whole mess with succession on this show. Um, and you sometimes wish it was just easier just to name someone like you are my firstborn son. You will be heir and let's leave it at that. But that's not how it plays out. <laughs> we would have a boring show if that was the case. Um, so yeah, so Damon and Rhaenyra take a walk along the beach, much like Rhaenyra and Laenor did long ago. She tells Damon Laenor was restless before everything happened, but after Lena's death, he may even be useless at this point. And she admits that their marriage was a farce, but at least she tried to keep up appearances. And I kind of laugh at this because I'm like, keep up appearances, but you have bastards that look just like Sir Harwin. But I just, I just gave her... <laughs> her points there I'm like okay girl whatever you say um but we do learn something she did actually try to cons try to consummate her marriage not try she did consummate her marriage with Lenor and she did try to conceive children with him but you know they just couldn't make a baby um she she notes there was no joy in their coupling so she found it elsewhere and she, it felt good to be desired and of course Damon being her you know first teacher of desire understands this um, and he notes that he knew that Sir Harwin was quite devoted to her. And Rhaenyra notes that she really did trust him. And she actually expresses regret for the fact that she didn't forbid Sir Harwin um, from returning to Harrenhal. Uh, she kind of still believes in the Heron's curse as, as something that is a reality. And then Damon dismisses the curse as superstition, something that qu the queen would actually take advantage of. 
And even though Rainier and Allison are at odds, Rainier doesn't believe that Allison is capable of cold murder. And Damon says, well, she's capable of depravity. And Rainier was like, well, I think you're capable of depravity. And he's just like, okay, well, if I did something, you know, say it, name it. And she finally tells him, like, I needed you and you abandoned me. And he says, like, look, you were a child. I spared you. And she's like, I am a child. I was a child. But look how my life turns out. And he's like, well, I wonder what you think my life turned out to be. And, you know, she asks ask him, you know, did you ever love Lena? And he says, he doesn't say yes, but he says that they had a happy life together. And she says that in itself is an achievement. So she goes in to kiss him and tells him that she's no longer a child. And Damon initially protests, but he finally gives in to her. And she tells him that she wants him. And they conveniently make love in this crew driftwood shelter that happens to be on the beach at the exact moment that they're going to have sex. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how convenient. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'll stop there. Well, actually, I guess I'll start with Damon and Renee just walking on the beach. Shout out to her, her clothes, her outfit, Renee's outfit on this. I liked like, I don't know if it was like the whole gown or like the jacket. Like I thought she had some pretty cool looks like from this point going forward in the, in the show. I thought that was real interesting. Um, go ahead. Yeah, Rain. I was just going to say, Rainier in the books is known to have excellent taste. She always had the best gowns, the best jewelry. So I guess this is her kind of coming into herself. But go ahead, uh, Ryan. Um, so that's why that's why I led to the scene at the end with her and Damon. See, I see what he was doing. But see, this is still like I listen. It's mad creepy because this is her uncle and she needed him. But I'm going to tell you, it goes back to when he was putting a necklace on her neck. I was like, see, uncle don't be looking at his niece like that. I knew something was going down where they was like feeling each other. I was like, we're going to get back to this. So, you know, they finally, you know, they finally, you know, sleep together because everybody knew it was coming. They was, they was circling around each other. It was getting awkward. They were circling around each other. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's mad creepy, but they like each other. So, and I feel like in the grand scheme of things, they are the match for each other. They read each other vibes. You know, I feel like she just kind of melts when he's there. And I'm like, girl, it's your uncle. But she just, you know, she in the vibe. She in the spirit. So, um, I, I, you know, it is what it is. So that's their little, their little pairing there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, they're just real interesting to me. Like, I, I think the, 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 you know, this, this coupling, whatever you want to call it, it's just going to create some other, you know, it's going to create a whole bunch of other messiness on top of everything else. But they are very like their way they think is very interesting to me. And just, you know, it's mysterious. It's manipulative. They know how to push each other's buttons. It's like, you know, it's the drama that we got to watch. So I'm just I'm ex I'm curious to see like where it's going to go from here. Yes. So uh, Rhaenyra and Lenor did consummate the marriage. So I just want to apologize since in the last episode <laughs> I was like, they did not. They did not. Um, so, yeah, they apparently they did. My question is, you know, she says that there was no joy in their coupling. Okay, well, there was no joy with Allison and Viserys. Clearly, we saw that. So, and she's got many kids from him. So, just because you don't have joy in having uh, sexual relations doesn't mean that you can't be fertile. So, was it that Laner just was impotent? Uh, or did they just try like maybe once or twice? Like I, I need some more details. Is what I'm trying to say here. What, what, what really happened um, with this this union? Go ahead, Angelica. 
mean, he could have just got her when she wasn't ovulating. But I think later on in the episode, uh, she mentioned it was a couple of times. So I'm guessing after the first couple of times, it just gave up. <laughs> that, just like, that's what working. I'm. Yeah. So then that that's what I'm guessing is like there was no effort put into this. So um, yeah, uh, I'm looking at you sideways, Renira. He tried. Tried. Didn't, tried. You didn't try enough. I mean, this is. I mean, not even not even that. Listen, as many times as we've been criticizing Allison on this podcast, uh, Ryan, I think we need to give uh, Allison her props <laughs> and the fact that she managed to have many many children with a man that she had no joy <laughs> in having sexual relations with. So. I ain't giving a nothing. She don't even <laughs> make a political move. She ain't getting enough for me. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it, and it's it's actually kind of sad that Rhaenyra has regrets about Sir Harwin, uh, but mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about that. That that was the fate. Yeah. Her his fate was sealed the moment that he had children with her. That that was just a done thing. Um, yeah. And I think that Damon suspecting Allison, that is interesting. I'm like, oh, okay. So he's looking at Allison sideways. So to have him um, be a political player uh, is good. I'm curious to know what how what Damon's feelings are towards Larry's. Larry's may be too under the radar though, so he may not even be. Yeah, yeah he may he may not even be on his radar at this point. But uh, but yeah, interesting that he brought up um, or that she brought up Allison. Um, but we all know that you know that's who they were both thinking of in that conversation. And, um, yeah, they hooked up. They did the deed on the beach. Sex on the beach. How romantic. (laughs) I just want to know how that Driftwood shelter got there, though. (laughs) Like, I just thought it was super convenient. I'm like, "Mm, that wasn't there before when she was walking with Lenore. Dame obviously has something to do with this. (laughs) Also, I want to point out, it didn't take that long to get these clothes off like it did before. I'm just going to point that out. That's right. Like, she got that dress off really quick. And I think she was wearing a corset. I think that was a corset type of dress, if I'm not mistaken. So that... Yeah, but he he took it off. And I mean... she yeah. was still wearing her skirts because I, I, I was, you know, I was watching. He just like pulled her socks down. She still had her shoes on. That's true. It she was had, still had a skirt off. Yeah, was, yeah. He, know, he, it was a half. Yeah, it was a half, half C. It was a half C. Yeah, he was half C. Still had his hands on. I want to point that out. Um, yeah, what did um, you say, Ryan? I said somewhere, Kristen is still hurt, still sobbing over this yes. in this corner. I know. I low key wish that Kristen walked in on it, like. Yeah, I would have loved to see what he was going to do. He would have lost his mind. Yeah, he would have lost his mind. He would have lost his mind. And guess what? He couldn't have done nothing about it. Nothing other than crying to his all. crying to his queen. That's probably about the best he can do. So, yeah. So next we have Eamon, who, you know, during the whole funeral reception, he seemed to be pretty focused on Vagar and her cries. So now that he's pretty much left to his own devices, he goes to search for her and he finds her asleep against the sand dunes. And you can tell he's like kind of scared, but kind of excited. And he works up the courage to approach her. So when he touches the seaweed rope ladder that leads to her saddle, Vagar awakens and she looks at Eamon and just kind of shrugs it off and goes back to sleep. 
So Eamon tries again, and this time she gets up. She gets up, she looks at him, and she opens her mouth, and you see the fire starting. She's preparing to, like, breathe fire on him. But Eamon orders her in High Valyrian to calm down. He says, Lakiri. And by the way, quick side note. So there is this app called Dracaris. It's an AR experience that you can have on your phone. I've been I've been raising a baby dragon that's kind of bluish like sea silk. Her name is Destanya. So I know the High Valyrian commands. So I was like, oh, Lakiri, I know that word. That means... That means calm down. So anyways. Hold up. Hold up. You're raising a baby dragon right now? Hold, you got to go. Like, you just, you really just say that way, way too quick for me. It's a juvenile, <laughs> actually. Um, Yeah, I, I, you know, she, I feed her. She goes flying. Sometimes you see other dragons. It's a pretty cool app. So it's called Dracaris. Oh, that's awesome. So that's kind of like a, like the Tamagotchi was back in the day. They yes, have that. Okay. Exactly nice. like a Tamagotchi. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta, get, I, I gotta I have, download that. Yeah, I can discipline her. Yeah, it, it does. It is a little glitchy. I'm sure they're still working on the app, but it's fun. Like, I, I know. I, I'd be like, Let, let's take you outside for, you know, go eat something or go fly or go play with other dragons. So, yeah, it's like a little dragon Tamagotchi. Um, so, so, anyways, um, he climbs a saddle now that. You know, Vagar has calmed down and he shouts Sovace, which is the command to fly, and Vagar takes off. So as she's ascending, he loses his balance and he gets knocked off his saddle. So at this point, he is holding on for dear life. He finally gets a handhold and he secures himself in her saddle. And I actually really love this scene because we get his vantage point as he like soars through the sky on Vagar's back and she's going up and going down like a roller coaster. She's, you know, takes a nosedive until she's almost like touching the sea and then she rears back up again. So it was a really cool scene. Like I felt like I was flying with Aemond. And while all this is happening, Damon and Rhaenyra actually witness Aemon claiming his dragon. So um, I'll stop there for your thoughts on Eamon's ride, Eamon's flight. Eamon was like, y'all got one more time to put some wings on a pig. He was not playing. Yeah, he he came forward. He was like, oh, I see Vagar over there. Anybody else over there? But that was too much dragging for him. He knew that was too much dragging for him, but he tried it. So, I, you know, I ain't mad at it. If you're going to be brave enough to, you know, to, to, to get on Vagar, have at it. But I thought he was about to be real crispy. So I'm glad, I'm glad he made it out. And uh, you know he's on Vagar now, so that's cool. That's 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 like stunt power. If you get on Vagar, I feel like you just stunt around, like you just you just done bossed up. So I gotta give him his his kudos for that. But yeah, it was a cool scene. Like I love any of the dragon scenes I'm here for, especially when we get to see like the flight, because usually everybody's professional by now, so they just fly on a little bit, it lands on you know wherever they're going, and we don't get to see anymore. So um, I I like to see him kind of playing around and trying to get his feel for it. So all right, Amen. Bossing up, they better watch him. He said, "He said I ain't got time for y'all." He was the only one without a dragon. Now he got Vagar. I was like, "Woo, that's gonna be dangerous." Vagar, can we just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that I really like the way they give the dragons expressions on this show compared yeah. to the dragons mm-hmm. on Game of Thrones? Because mm-hmm. you could tell Vagar was distressed that she was upset. Like she looked, she looked like a sad dragon in that moment. So um, I just I, I just liked seeing that that very um, attention to detail with with the dragon's expressions. Vagar didn't claim this dragon; he stole it. 
um, or Aemon, rather. Aemon didn't uh, claim this dragon. He, <laughs> he stole Vagar. So I just want to <laughs> acknowledge that. Um, but, you I know. Mean, he, he's a Targaryen through fire and blood. He, he, he claimed her. That's his conquest. I yeah, mean, I, I, get, I get that. But that, that was Lena's <laughs> dragon. And then. No. Yeah. He definitely was disrespectful about it. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like, he, they going to say he claimed it. But I thought it was, yeah, it was straight up disrespectful. Straight up disrespectful. Like, yeah. I, I was just like, that's why I thought he was going to be crispy. But she spared him, and I was just like, "You boy, you better be glad." You said he's gonna be dragon. crispy. Like, yeah, because I was like, if that would be anybody else's dragon, I thought he would have gone her. Because I, because I do like you said, they give him like the personalities, and I remember hearing like you know each or each person picks like that one specific dragon, and then you go to another one. So it's it was just it was just interesting to see that. But yeah, yeah, Amon Amon got his work cut out for him. So I hope he know what he's doing. But yeah, they everybody's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, you got your dragon now." But it's like, yeah, he definitely stole that dragon. But we'll we'll see how it works out for him. Yeah. So um, back at the castle, the girls notice that someone has taken Vagar, and they go to wake up Jason and Luke. Um, they make their way out of the castle, and they see Amond dismounting Vagar. So Bela immediately confronts him, saying, "You know, Vagar belonged to her, to my mother." And then Amond's like, "Your mother is dead. Vagar has a new rider." And I was like, "Oop." Um, so then Ray, Ray, I, I went from like feeling sorry for this kid to being happy that he got his dragons, you know, got his, you know, his, his wild ride. And now I'm like, I don't really like you, Amy. You kind of rude. Um, so then Reyna's like, you know, Vagar was mine to claim. And he was like, well, then you should have claimed her. He's like, you know, maybe your cousins can find you a pig. It'll suit you. So this pisses, this pisses off little Reyna and she pushes Amy, but then he pushes her to the ground. Bela being big sister defends her sister and punches Eamon in the face and might I say she has a nice right hook she actually <laughs> knocked him down I was like yes Bela and quick side note Bela actually is very fierce she's kind of this really badass dragon rider as she gets older so I was like oh okay they're actually putting that into her personality already um so Eamon returns the blow unfortunately and punches Bela in the face um and he says if she attacks him again, he's going to feed her to his dragon. So then Jay steps in and fights Eamon. And I guess Eamon's been paying attention to training because he he knows how to fight now. He's like dodging and ducking and diving. And he like drop kicks <laughs> uh, Jace to the grass. And then Lucyrus jumps in and, you know, gets pushed away. And eventually all four of them kids are jumping Eamon. I was like, oh, OK, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> they're like ah, 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 all these little kids <laughs> beating up on Amen. um so Amen actually ends up getting the upper hand and he pushes them all off he ends up choking poor little luke and picks up a stone and says that the boys will die in flames like their father and he calls them bastards and luke is like my dad's still alive and then Amen's taunting them and he was like oh he doesn't know he doesn't know he was like you know, he should know who his true father is. And then he calls Jace Lord Strong. So Jace brings a knife to a fist fight. He draws the blade and confronts Eamon. Eamon hits him in the head with the stone. Luke ends up throwing sand in Eamon's face. And then Jace strikes him, ends up, you know, striking him in the face and slicing off his eye. And that's when the King's Guard finally burst in and separate the children. <laughs> 
<laughs> after the fact. <laughs> so I guess I'll stop there for your thoughts on that big old brawl between the cousins. I mean, what did they, what did the guards think they was doing? Like just in there, like playing like a little game with like with some rocks or something. Like what is happening? Like I, I was just like, you can hear them screaming and you know, people like yelling out when they getting hit in the face and everything. I just, I don't know what these Kings guards be doing. That's all I got to say. Um, for it to even get to that point, but yeah, not the kids jumping each other at the playground. It was that was crazy. Like yeah, like the divide. But I don't know. Like these parents got to shape up because it's like the kids is now they divided in the, in the sanctions as the parents. And you know, Eamon over here throwing out bastard child and everything. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what Eamon had in his breakfast, but dude took like a one eighty. Like he went from like everybody picking on him, getting bullied. So, you know, now he taking dragons. Now he know how to fight. I was just like, is this the same kid? It was just like a complete, like, 360 turnaround for him. And I was just, I was not feeling it. I don't like this, Eamon. But I guess if you get picked on enough and you feel like you're not, and you Aegon is your brother, and you feel like you're not measuring up to anything, I guess that, I guess that's where you go with it. But, yeah, I was like, when he started coming after uh, Bela and Raina, I was like, yeah, no, you're doing a lot. You're doing a lot for me right now. And I love how Jace and, and Luke came in like, yeah, you need to hold up. It's, it's getting extra. So, and you know, they had to tag team them. But yeah, the whole like the slicing of the eye, I was like, whoo. I was like, I didn't know where it was going to go after that. I was just like, mm, okay. I, I did not expect that coming. But I mean, I guess, I guess Jace had had enough. He was like, look, you done, you done bossed up long enough. Like I'm getting tired. You picking up rocks. We ain't got time for this. So he was ready. Like Jace stay, stay strapped. He was ready to go. So it was like, don't be, don't be messing with his brother and everything. So, yeah, Jamie, I'm passing it off to you. What you think about these kids? I mean, those kids are bad. These are some badass kids, <laughs> man. Like, <laughs> they need some discipline. And you know for sure that Viserys ain't disciplining these kids because he's oh, a pushover. Lord, yeah. And Alicent, she, you know, is spoiling them rotten. So they're rotten kids oh. to the core. What do you expect? <laughs> and, the, you know, the little girls, Bela, um, and uh, what, what's the other girl's name? Raina. Raina. Bela and Raina, right now, they have a lot of anger that they're projecting because their mother just died. So that's why they're angry and that they're mm. reacting in this way. So it's justified why they have, you know, reached this level of vitriol towards the Eamon and um, towards Eamon in this moment. And of course, Eamon stole the Vega, yeah, Vagar, yeah. So uh, that that scene was really just it had all different emotions for me. I did laugh. I'm not gonna lie. When the kids were all <laughs> when all the kids like jumped on top of Amon and like literally he literally got jumped. I was just like, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. no joke. Hilarious to me, and he deserved every bit of it. And yeah, the King's Guard burst in after the fact because, you know, the prophecy got to come true, which we saw happen with Helena in the last episode where she mentioned, you know, the one eye and that one eye was uh, Mr. Amond. And now that has happened. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens with the other part of her prophecy and more <laughs> to come. But yeah, like uh, it's... Things are slowly moving along to this uh, 
the sowing of dissent, uh, this discord of dissent, rather, between uh, the the two families. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Hel- Helena or Helena, I don't know how you say her, Helena said, uh, uh, he will ride his dragon, but one eye must close. So there you go. She fulfilled the prophecy. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't know if you guys ever saw the meme of like the Penny Proud and her friends like, come outside. We not going to jump you like that just came. <laughs> that just came to mind when I when I saw that scene. So, yeah. So obviously there's hell to pay um, in a hall of nine. A maester is attending to Eamon's wounds. He tells Viserys and Allison that the wound will heal, but he's lost his eye. Alice is Alice is devastated. Like you just maimed her kid, and Viserys demands answers from his Kingsguard. You know, he's like, "You guys are sworn to protect my blood," and they're like, "I mean, they're all related to you, and we we never signed up to stop a prince from attacking another prince. Like, this is out of our hands." Um, Allison ends up slapping Aegon for being drunk instead of protecting his brother. And then Corlys and Rhaenyra storm in asking what happened. And then the kids all begin to bicker. He did it. She did it. He started it. He was going to kill us. He was going to kill her. They all like screaming who's to blame. And uh, Viserys just tells them all to shut up. He wants silence. So then he asks Aemon for the truth. Um, and then Allison ends up interrupting and she blamed Rhaenyra's children for what they did to Aemon. And Rhaenyra was like, they were defending themselves. And they and she says that Aemon even questioned their parentage or legitimacy and called them bastards. And she says, you know, I'm the heir to the throne. Claiming my children as bastards is treasonous. So as King Viserys orders Aemon to tell him who told him about these vicious lies, uh, you know, regarding Rhaenyra's children. And he starts to look at Allison and Allison was looking kind of scared that, you know, all the stuff she's been talking will finally be revealed. But he ends up saying that Aegon was the one that told him. So then Viserys confronts Aegon and Aegon's like, look, everybody knows <laughs> we can just see by just looking at the kids that they don't belong to Rhaenyra. Um, and Viserys just is just fed up at this point. He's like, he declares that all this fighting between family members has to stop. He says that they all need to apologize to each other. Um, but Allison isn't happy with this. She says it's not sufficient. The debt must be paid. She demands the one that one of the eyes of Rhaenyra's children. This scene actually reminds me of the scene from season one of Game of Thrones when uh, Arya, you know, supposedly beat up Joffrey and Joffrey's blaming them and they're blatant and Arya's blaming Joffrey and then, you know, King Robert's had enough and he just tells them to apologize and settle it. But then Cersei says like, nah, <laughs> he maimed our son. I want their wolf killed so you know instead of a wolf this time around it's an eye so this is the one of the first times that i've seen allison really show her teeth um and viserys is just like nope that's not going to be necessary that's enough and she's like okay fine if you're not going to serve justice justice i as the queen will and she tells sir Kristen to bring her lucyrus's eye you know after all he's sworn to her and he's like ah i'm sworn to protect you and viserys tells her to stop um, and he also adds anyone that questions the boy's birth will lose their tongues. So at this point, Alicent loses it. She takes Viserys' Valyrian steel dagger and charges towards Rhaenyra and the children. Rhaenyra grabs her hand 
and they're both kind of <coughs> excuse me in the standoff and Allison is actually kind of losing her mind at this point she says she only has done what is expected of her while Rainier gets to flaunt her privilege and now she has taken her son's eye which even she feels entitled to at this point and Rainier says you know it must be exhausting hide underneath this cloak of righteousness righteousness but now everyone sees you just as you are and in anger Rhaenyra or Allison slices Rhaenyra's arm drops the blade and then realizes what she's done um and so like everyone's just standing around at what's transpired and Aemon tells his mother like don't mourn for me you know gaining Vagar was a fair exchange for my eye and Viserys just declares this proceeding has come to an end and each opposing side stains with each other. You can kind of see at this point the visual divide of the green versus the greens versus the blacks. Um, so I'll stop there for you guys. Look, Jamie, I got you. Amy, you stole the dragon that was not given to you. But yeah, it's, I just, Amy is just, whoo. Um, I, I think the only thing I want to say in this is Viserys was like helpful but not helpful. So typical Viserys because he was just like, oh, y'all, let's just kumbaya. No, sir. Like you got your children, your grandchildren, do something productive. And he was just like going back and forth, hobbling around. I was like, oh, God. And then Allison was on like level 10,000. I was like, girl, I need you to come all the way down. You know, because it's like I understand that was her son. But it's like at the same time now, you know for them to go like, and you saw like Renera's boys were like bloody, had a broken nose and everything like that too. It's not like they just grabbed him out of nowhere and just cut his eye out. So it was like, and you know, the kind of the lies and everything or not lies, but you know, talking to them, talk like kids pick up everything. You're going around talking about these kids are like bastards and trying to dig up dirt on Renera. So the boys are picking it up. And I just thought she was just, it, it was like, I guess you have to be in mama bear mode. But when she pulls out the knife and starts attacking Rhaenyra, I was like, yeah, girl, you got to bring it all the way down. And it's like, because you're going after another little boy. So at that point, it's like, are you really like Rhaenyra questions? Her, are you really on the up and up like you're saying? Because you're trying to go after this little boy, you know, an eye for an eye. And I don't really think it's that black and, you know, it's not that black and white for her. And so, so, yeah, that's why I'm not giving, I'm not giving Allison any uh, cool points on this. Like she's still on my list. And, um, but yeah, she just need to, I don't know, regroup her boys somehow and kind of calm it down. Cause she just on a whole other level that I don't think is good. And I think Renera, when she cut Renera's arm, I think Renera was like, yeah, we gonna, we need to get back. We gonna have to go now. They gonna have to get up out of here. So it was just more of like adding to that divide that this family has. And just like every little action, it's like every little action Allison makes seals it, pushes Renera back even further. And I'm like, well, Renera is like, she's not really showing a lot of her cards, a lot of her hand. And that should make you nervous about what she's going to do next and what kind of power she has. Um, and then the last thing I want to say is I noticed that when all the when everybody gathered into this room and all the kids are kind of like um, Angelica was saying, it was like, oh, well, you did this and you did that. I was wondering why Damon didn't go to the girls. I guess Corliss and, and, um, and Reyes came in as well and was kind of confident as well. But he didn't really seem like he went over there. Um, you know, he was kind of standing out in the corner. I don't know if maybe that was his way of kind of watching everything, seeing where they were at. But I just thought that was kind of interesting, like showing more of like his 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 role as like a dad and kind of what he thinks and how he feels. So I thought like the way he kind of moves in that scenario with all with all the parents and the kids in one room. So, yeah, this is this getting it's getting messy quick. Jamie. 
This scene was straight out of a daytime soap opera. It was drama <laughs> at its finest. I really enjoyed this scene. Like this is a scene I f- will find myself probably replaying over and over again just because mm-hmm. the the drama of it all was just so intense. Angelica, you are on to something because I mentioned this in an earlier episode of this podcast about Alicent and Cersei. And you had mentioned about, you know, season one of Game of Thrones and how it reminded you about the scene between Cersei and Joffrey and Arya and the direwolf. And Alicent and Cersei are becoming the same person. (laughs) So, and so many fans, even prior to... Alicent's sort of now descent into madness, it seems. Um, Even prior to that, when she was being played by Emily Carey, people were starting to see the similarities um, parallel together. So uh, it's now coming in full circle. And um, yeah, she's she is not a good person. This scene was just she was doing the most. And yes. just and mm-hmm. and I was so disappointed in just seeing Viserys. Viserys is just such a freaking like welcome mat. Like there there were so many moments with uh with with uh Alicent where I just thought shouldn't shouldn't there be some sort of boundaries here? Like you are the king. Like she shouldn't be able to do and say the things that she is saying. And you're in and she's in your presence. And then this is supposed to be allowed. So I don't know. I just obviously we know who wears the pants in the relationship. (laughs) She is pulling rank and he his his authority obviously means nothing. And And it probably means nothing to the King's Guard as well, which is why she's able to get away with the actions and say the things that she's able to say. So, um, like the fact that she was able to slice Rhaenyra's arm and Viserys just stood there. I was like, what? What is wrong with you? And you brought up a really good point, Ryan, because I didn't even I didn't even pay attention to that until you said about Damon uh, not going to his daughters. And I had put up a, a little post on our Instagram feed about Damon being a doting Um, father and loving husband and people were commenting saying well he's not really a doting father and you guys are right you're absolutely right I I definitely mischaracterized you know my text by saying that um, because you know we obviously heard the conversation um, with Bela and Lena about him not paying attention to her Uh, but it makes me wonder like what was the reason for and it goes back to me saying, I wish I could have seen that relationship between Lena and Damon. Like, what was the reason for him um, aligning himself with Lena? Was it just a political move because, of, you know, she's a Valarian and by marrying a Valarian, you know, he's able to have some sort of power and able to have some sort of uh, authority with the Valarians? Um, because it doesn't, I mean, it there's moments where it seems like he loves her in those scenes, but then it's like, does he care for his kids the way he, you know, seems to love his wife? I I don't think so. I I mean, feel free guys to chime in, but I I just don't get the sense that he's the family man that he's trying to present himself to be in Pentos. So um, good call out there, Ryan, because, yeah, I'm like, "Mm, is he really a loving dad or is this just all like a political move 
this whole marriage and this whole relationship and even building this family with Lena like was this all just for pretend I don't think so I I I I think uh Lena intrigued him and she was an escape you know there's a reason why he wanted to stay in Pentos he's trying to escape all the issues that he had in court he just wants to you know, spend his life drinking wine, having all this money, reading books. He has his wife, he has his kids. And, you know, maybe he wasn't the kindest to Reyna, but he seems to have favoritism towards Bela because she had a dragon. He finds probably more of a kinship with her and we see him teaching her High Valerian. And there was actually a scene that was cut out from la- the last episode um, where we where Damon's actually embracing both his girls after Lena's passing. So I, I think the show is kind of making it gray about how how he feels about his children and in the books it's heavily implied that he really did love Lena just by the way he took care of her body after she died like he found her collapsed uh you know by the steps trying to get to Vagar he carried her back to her deathbed he held on to her he watched over her for the night so I maybe it isn't like deep deep love but I, I do feel like he had a place in his heart for Lena, although I do think his true match is Rhaenyra. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I it would because obviously they're deviating a little bit from the books as we'll dive into later in this episode. But I I am still curious to know what that relationship was, which we didn't get in the show. Because I'm still not 100% sold on that it was all about love. Unless initially it was love and then he sort of it sort of kind of wavered a little bit which is what we ended up seeing in the latter part of their relationship in the last days of Lena's life because they kind of were going you know kind of bickering a little bit about whether to stay in Pentos or go to Driftmark and um, so we didn't really get to see how that infatuation phase of their relationship grew and blossomed so I'm, I would have liked to have seen that to get give me a better sense of you know his connection to Lena but I I agree with you I I, I think that you know he he does care for his kids but um, it's odd that he didn't come to their rescue and he wasn't as protective towards them the way Allison was with her kids and even with the way Rhaenyra yeah, was yeah. with her kids so that to me was a very bizarre moment for someone who's appearing to be a loving father i mean he's he's generally kind of an aloof personality and if you if you watch the scene the girls are actually being held by rainies and he's just observing so i don't think his kids at that moment were a priority because honestly the debate was between amond and luke and jace the guy the girls really weren't even addressed at that point um so maybe that's why he didn't go to them because he was just observing everything unfold um and also just one more point i to, to further you know why i feel that he has affection towards lena was when um she was having her issues with labor and you know the doctor's like you know she's fighting but she she can't bring the baby out and he called lena his brave girl so i'm like you know he loved his wife. Was she the love of his life? No. But, you know, as he tells Rainier, they were happy together. So. But I do wonder his emotional, because now he's a girl dad, you know, and I wonder, like, this the side that Lena brought to him, 
I wonder if that's like, you know, why he's going through this, why he's, you know, moving a little differently, if that's going to, you know, where he he's he's a little bit more rigid, you know, with the girls than he was before. Or he's trying to figure out how to how to move now with them because, you know, she doesn't have that that kind of like I feel like that emotional stability that she had, like that kind of anchor. So I'm just worried. I'm just worried, like if that relationship looks different, you know what I'm saying? Not that he doesn't care for his daughters, but I'm just wondering, like there's like these little moments where, and you know, even though Corliss and, and Reyes were there, they were, you know, they came right to the girls when they walked in the door. I was still like, you know, well, these are his daughters. You know what I mean? Like usually you have like this, like the way you positioned and, you know, just some of his mannerisms, but it's not like, I don't think he loves them. I just wonder like being like, you know, them needing like that support and, you know, going forward, you know, what his relationship is going to be now that he doesn't have Lena being like, okay, well, why don't you do this? Or like, you know, some kind of like anchor that kind of, you know, like just got him in the right direction. Cause he's very like, you know, Damon has his own like ways of thinking and handling things. Damon cares about himself. So I, I think without Lena there to, to really, yeah. Without Lena there, uh, yeah, the girls probably aren't going to have the most affectionate relationship with their father. Uh, Lena softened him, and now she's gone. Um, so, yeah, I don't think he's going to be Mr. Mom after this. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Move. It's not happening. So, hopefully, the girls stay at Driftmark with their grandmother, and, you know, they, they, they end up better for it. Um, so, we later see Ray, uh, Otto visiting Allison. Who was just like, just come out and say it, you know, I, I acted in a way I'm becoming of my station. I've disgraced myself. I did an ugly thing. And Otto was like, we play an ugly game. And now it seems you have the determination to win it. You know, he's actually surprised that she has this side of her. He didn't think it was there, you know, and Allison sees Rhaenyra for who she really is. And together, the two of them will prevail. So he tells her, you know, Eamon's done a good thing despite all this mess you know he's gained this powerful creature Vagar, and he tells her to just go to the series be you know repentant you know appear to be sorry and he will forgive you in time um so Otto has big big plans for them <laughs> he likes the fire he sees in Allison now any thoughts there yeah he's the worst I just I I just, I don't like this guy. Like, I just, I hate, like, and then Allison is just, like, pick, like learning at the hands of the master. Like, she just, she's already got that political hand and way she can move through relationships. And just, like, now he's there to back it again. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm liking that you're doing this. And no, sir, he she ran across the whole room with a knife trying to, like, cut Renera. It's like, why are you pushing your daughter in this direction? And... I feel like no matter what, they can't want this more than Aegon. Like everybody's trying to pull Aegon like, look, you have to be the leader. You got to do this. Aegon is just trying to like drink and whatever. Like he's just lackadaisical walking around. And I just feel like it don't work like that. Like you both of y'all can want this throne for him and, and, you know, want to do all this kind of stuff. But it's just like, he's got, I feel like he's got to want it too. I'm nervous about the combination of both of them. The, you know, the things they're going to try to move out of the way. So Aegon can get up there to the throne and yeah, she don't, I just feel like Allison is already doing bad by herself and she don't need no help. And here come Otto. So we getting ready to see how this is going to go. You ask why Otto is pushing her in this direction. It's because of him being salty towards Damon. This all stemmed mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. him not liking Damon Targaryen. This whole situation. So if it not, if not for the fact that 
Otto did not like Damon Targaryen. We wouldn't even be in this mess with Alicent and her being the queen and her having all these kids that are bad seeds and <laughs> the spawn of the devil, it seems. Um, I, I think I think that um, this scene is interesting, too, because Otto is like, oh, I didn't see this in you, but you're the guy that is the puppet master. You are the guy that planted the seed and it is now taken root and she has become you. So even though he's saying, I didn't expect to see it in you really, because that's kind of been your goal this whole entire time. So, um, yeah, I just, you're right, Ryan. He is the worst. I just, I, I really cannot stand this dude for so many reasons, but you got to admit, he knows how to play the game. And that, and that is and that is what yeah, this whole thing is about. I like him. I actually like Otto, much like you like Larry's. Like, I kind of admire him. Even though I know he's really up to no good, I'm just like, you, you, you are a, a sly dog. You're a sly fox. So I don't mind Otto. I like seeing him. But I digress. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't say, by the way, that I like Larry's. <laughs> well, like, I don't want to put that out the there. Performance, the performance. Yeah, I like of, the actor that plays him. He does an incredible job. But yeah, Larry's is a horrible, despicable character. Um, but yeah. just want to make that clear. But there's characters that you you love to hate and hate to love. Like I, you know, couldn't stand Cersei, but I'd be sad if she wasn't on all eight seasons. So it's just some of these characters, just like, what's the show without them? That's true. He um, he makes for good television. That's for sure. Indeed, he does. Um, so Rainier is getting stitched up by Maester, and a sober, sober laner enters. He asks if the children are all right, and the Maester's like, they're okay, aside from Luke's broke nose. <laughs> like, and poor Luke, he's all busted up. <laughs> poor baby. Um, so Lena is like, you know, I, I was a warrior, but I couldn't defend my dear sister, and I couldn't defend you and the children. He's like, I should have been there. And Rhaenyra says, like, that should be our house words. I should have been there. <laughs> um, so she tells him, like, Aemon accused their sons of being bastards. And Lenor admits that he's failed Rhaenyra. He's fa- failed their marriage, their family. Um, he admits that he really loves the boys, but he doesn't feel like he, he's loved them enough. Um, and Rhaenyra confesses that she actually had hoped that they could have children together. and Maybe things would have been different. Um, and I actually really enjoyed this part of the scene where he says he hates the gods for making him different. And Rhaenyra says that she doesn't hate the gods for that because he's a good and honorable man, which is something that is rare. Um, and then he ends up reminding the, her of their original arrangement, how they could basically carry out their their marital duties but still have their own flings and their own happiness but doesn't think that can actually coexist so now that sir carl is returning to the stepstones he vows to rededicate himself to rainera and the boys and he tells her that she deserves a husband um so i'll stop there for your thoughts yeah, Leonard, I like I like how he had to he got a chance to come back because he was kind of just kind of bumbling around this episode, you know, obviously so he was hurt, um, you know, he had too much to drink and just trying to you could tell he was just trying to process it all. So I like how they had this moment where it was just like, OK, let's just get everything out in the air. Him and Aaron just got to sit down and talk about it 
And um, you're right. I love the way that she approached when he said, you know, I wish I wasn't uh, made like this and we could have did things differently. She was like, no, you're a decent, you're a good guy. You know, I, I wouldn't change that about you. But yeah, I think Laner is a fighter. I think he needs, I don't think he, I don't think this is the world for him where he, um, you know, just the way, you know, how she's trying to move about. And like we talked about, it's a game. You got to play this game a certain way, you know, the way they made this deal with each other. And I just feel like it's just so much like he's lost his sister. It's tearing him down in other areas. So I just, it's just going to be interesting to see the way they move from this conversation. But you could tell Lena is kind of having like this come to Jesus moment. Like, look, this is who I am. You know, maybe I can try to step up and do this again. Like maybe we can do a take two, but you could definitely see him as like that fighter in a, in a, like he belongs in a whole other world. Like, you know, he's not about these, like, you know, these shiesty games and for this throne that they better start playing. Good point. Yeah, he's not he's not a political player at all, which is why he's kind of just been off to the side and, you know, focusing on other things and drinking and <laughs> off to sea at times and then, you know, hanging out with Carl and doing the deeds. Uh, so, yeah, he's not interested in playing these political games and being at Rhaenyra's side when uh, these games advance. Uh, so I, I do agree with that. I, I also did um, agree with you too, Angelica, that scene where he says that he hates the gods for making him different. I thought that that was a very notable moment and, um, you know, just speaks to a lot of what, you know, Lenore is battling with himself. Um, and this show, I, I've said it in previous episodes, this show is speaking about LGBTQ issues in a way that I don't think Game of Thrones has really done before. So um, you know, I, I just think that that's interesting that that was a moment that, um, you know, that he decided to disclose. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I felt for Lenore. I have my, I, I go back and forth with him. Sometimes he kind of gets on my nerves. <laughs> Other times, um, I feel bad for him because th th this lot that he's been given in life is not one that he really wants uh, he is a warrior. He, you know, he doesn't want to be married to this woman. Um, he rather just be off, um, you know, with his male suitor and or suitors um, and just living his life at sea. And uh, so, you know, I guess with all of the circumstances that have now happened, he feels bad and he, he does want to uh, be loyal to Rhaenyra and the boys. But I feel like at this point, it's kind of a little too late for that but yeah yep agreed um so now we're kind of in the home stretch of the end of the episode and it's all surrounding the departure of the targaryens on their ship back to king's landing um so en route uh to their ship allison attempts to apologize for her actions but Viserys really doesn't want to talk about it and just tells her just 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 let it go um, Corlys watches as the ship departs and we actually get this really cool sequence of Vagar, uh, kind of jumping off this cliff and flying to join the other Targaryen dragons en route to King's Landing. Um, on the ship, Larys expresses concern for the handling of the whole Aemond incident and he offers to give Allison an eye to balance the scales. Um, and we know that if you know, you got to make things expressively clear with Larry's or he'll just kind of go off on his own um, 
based off his own uh, judgment. Uh, so Allison's like, nope, nope, that won't be necessary. But, you know, your devotion, <laughs> she had to make it clear. No, don't take no eyes. Um, his devotion has not gone unnoticed. And she knows a day will come when she needs a friend that not only has the skill set, but the discretion as well. And Larry says that he awaits her call. Uh, Rhaenyra is also watching the ship sail away and she tells Damon that fire has a strange power. Um, everything that the house Targaryen has, has is owed to it, yet it costs both of them, you know, the things that they love the most, uh, you know, uh, Rhaenyra losing Harwin and Damon losing Lena. Damon says, um, maybe the Valarians have the truth of it. The sea is the better ally. And Rhaenyra compares fire to prison and the sea to an escape. Um, she then tells Damon that she needs him. She can't face the greens alone. If they bind their blood and marry, um, her claim will not be so easily challenged. You know, she says the Valarians are made of the sea, but we are made of fire. We were meant to burn together. Um, and then Damon kind of brings up a good point. He says, you know, we can't get married while Lenor is still alive. And Rhaenyra's like, I know. <laughs> so um, Damon ends up ha meeting discreetly with Sir Carl and he plays on his desires to advance um, as someone of low birth. And he tells them in Essos, you know, his name won't matter as long as he has the money. Um, and Carl's like, what exactly are you getting at? He tells him to kill Lenor, like give him a quick death with many witnesses. And he hands him a bag of gold and leaves. Uh, so a lot actually happened. So I'm going to wrap up this part and then I'll let you guys give your two cents on this whole last exchange. So um, back at Driftmark, Damon quietly kills a guard. Lenor ends up confronting Carl in in the Hall of Nine asking like, why is Carl there? And Carl says, Lenor always looked down on him. Lenor is like, you know, watch your mouth. You need to know your place. Like it just feels a little stage because you've never seen them argue before and they both draw swords a young swire tries uh, tries to intervene but he gets pushed out the way so he goes to alert the guards and Lenor and car engage in a sword fight and then we see Lenor is cornered against the fireplace um so Corlys and Rainey's enter with guards and they find Lenor's body burnt like unrecognizable by the fire and Carl is nowhere to be found so obviously Rainey's is distraught. She just lost her daughter and now her son. So she's weeping over his body and Corlys demands to know how this could have happened in his home. Um, so I'll stop there before I get to the next scene. Uh, I guess I'll go back to, to Alice, Allison and, uh, and um, Larry's. I'm glad she made it clear. Do not take no eyes. Do not touch them kids. Because I was like, that's going to be a whole, that's going to be a whole other issue. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know between both of them. I don't know who's going to be more crooked. I don't know who's calling the shots, who owes who. So this is going to be their, their whole dynamic is, is, you know, going to be very, very interesting on top of like Otto and her other ear. So uh, Lord fix it. So anyway, that's, that's going to be their, their little situation right there. Um, yeah, uh, I, I see where Renera and, and Damon going with this, um, Renera has a point, you know, you kind of see like the destruction and you start realizing you're like, well, am I, do I have the right allies for this? Like, is, are we really going to be able to take this like this? And we talked about Lane, uh, Lane or needing to be able to find like, you know, not kill the brother, 
but let him like you know go on and and and, and fight and do his own thing so when that came out her mouth i was like oh lord um i was like yeah you take stuff for your uncle on that one um but i could see their i could see their relationship you know going for her and damon and so you know, we I, I kind of saw that they were going to end up together. So it was interesting the way this this is going to play out um, as you finish. But yeah, I mean, I just I just found this whole like little last segment to be real cool. Real interesting. Uh, So as far as where I side on the blacks versus the greens, I'm rooting for everybody black. Just want to say that. <laughs> everybody black. I'm rooting for everybody black. Um, No, really, I, I am team black. I, I will say this, as far as Larry's is concerned, that was really creepy because I'm like, is he going to really take somebody's eye out to <laughs> to give Eamon a false eye? Like, that's what I want to know behind that conversation because we know that he cuts people's tongues and he's capable of that. So it wouldn't shock me that he will cut someone's eye out and give Eamon like a glass eye or something. So anyway, that that's what came to my head when... Uh, oh, oh, go ahead. I took... I- I took that as he was he was going to be like, you want an eye? I'm going to get your eye. Like, he was going to go after one of the boys, one of Rainier's sons, and, and get what Allison wanted so bad. But, because yeah. that's why he said balance the scales. And I was like, this guy, obviously, if that happens, they're going to put pin it back on Allison. But I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, I will give Allison credit. Like, if she was Cersei, Cersei would have been like, okay, do it. Let it be done. <laughs> so, um, you know, she's, she's a little bit less... Uh, uh, insufferable than uh, than Cersei in that capacity. So yeah, what else happened? And then this whole exchange between Rhaenyra and Damon, that's just uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, well, wait a second, don't do this to Lainor. <laughs> <laughs> right, like wait, wait, hold up. Yeah, Lainor, just made up. Yeah, y'all just exactly. You just made up. He said he's gonna be a husband to you, and then she's like. Yeah, or Damon's like, yeah, well, he's got to die, and she's like, I know. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> Did that conversation between the two of you meant nothing? So yeah, it ain't loyal. Ain't loyal. They yeah, man, these Targaryens ain't loyal. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Angelica. That's it. Yeah, it it was a lot, and yeah, you're right, Angelica. The the fight between Sir Carl and um and Lanar, it looked a little look a little stage looked a little weird to me i was just like yeah. it's like what are you doing in here <laughs> yeah like, <laughs> you always look down on me i'm like where is this what? coming yeah. from why does he sound like that all of a sudden yeah like his his pitch and his voice got a little bit higher like he just he, you know he's putting on a little theater for us there so I'm like okay well let's see how this whole situation plays out so yeah yeah so um Rhaenyra so there, all these scenes are intercutting while Rhaenyra is talking to Damon and she declares she will not be a tyrant she's not going to roll a terror but Damon advises her that a good queen not only res- uh, commands respects from her subject but they also fear her um and then Rhaenyra ends up saying like she loves Lenore. And Damon tells her, if that's the case, you should grant him this kindness. So I'm not, you know, you're not quite sure what, what he means by that. Um, Rhaenyra says, you know, this is going to cost Corlys and Rhaenys their last living child. And the realm will obviously hold her responsible. And he's like, 
let them whisper about us. We know the truth. Um, and Rhaenyra's like, you know what? You're right. You know, fear is a good thing. Maybe they'll fear what, 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 what we are eventually capable of doing. So while all this is happening, Damon and Rhaenyra end up exchanging vows before a priest. It was very ceremonial. They're both wearing like these um, red almost like ombre gowns and you know Rainier is wearing this elaborate headpiece and they're cutting each other's lips to bleed themselves and they're marking each other with each other's blood so like I said binding themselves and the children are obviously invited to the wedding the girls and the boys you know Bela, Reyna, Lucyrus, Jaceres they're all there and they seal their union with a kiss so they finally 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 got married and then on the beach, we see Carl pushing a boat into the sea and a hooded figure joins him. And I was like, who is that? The man actually is revealed to be Lenor Plot Twist. He shaved his head so people can't tell that he's a Valarian. And Carl smiles as they row a ship that obviously is awaiting them, most likely going to take them to Essos. You know, Carl just got paid. And I was like, this is intriguing because the book, Lenor was killed um under suspicious conditions and for all we know he really is dead so i appreciate the fact that they didn't bury their gaze that they let lanor live and he got you know they have gold now he can live his best life i know he probably feels bad for leaving his boys but i was wondering if um carl actually devised this plan with damon and rainiera because he had mentioned this small kindness or if there, if Damon and Rainier are unaware that Carl actually didn't kill um, Lenor and kind of snuck off with him. But then I saw Damon kill that guard. So maybe that guard was used in place of Lenor's body. Like, I don't, I guess we'll find out in the next episode if Lenor escape is everyone's doing or if it really is just Carl's plan. So yeah, that was an interesting plot twist. So I'll give it back to you guys for your final thoughts. Yeah, I'm just glad. I'm glad Lenar was on that on that boat. I was like, get it. I was like, oh, thank God, because I was like, Renera, don't don't do it to me, because I didn't think she was that. I didn't think she was that. Um, you know that kind of ruler. Like she wants to. There, you know, it's a it's a point about like fear. Um, you know the respect that you want to command, but I was like, oh no, she is she really gonna go along with like killing, um, Lenar? And but even though everything did look very staged, um, in the house, like even like the pulling the body out the fire and everything, like something just fell off. And so um, I, I like the way they kind of put this kind of plot twist on it. I think Renera and Damon are like this this couple that's going to be like a force to be reckoned with. And it's going to be really interesting. Um, I love that they gave us this ceremony between them, something new, something different. Another little part of Targaryen culture that we didn't know before to kind of see that ceremony go down. Um, but yeah, I just... I mean, you know, for all the creepiness that it is, you feel like they belong together and it's such an interesting drama filled thing to watch. And so I cannot wait to see like where it's going to go next. Um, you know, if Lenar and Carl pop up like sometime, you know, maybe some other season or something, um, you know, pop back up somehow. Yeah. Surprise. I love. Yeah. Right. Like I love the new I love the do. I love the haircut. The ball head works for him. So, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I appreciate this ending. I thought it was like well done, the mysterious and the mystique of it all. And so, and it's like, you know, like the last question is like, you know, what Targaryen are you going with? Like who you going to choose? So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's real interesting. Like as this continues to unfold. So I'm excited. This is, it's getting really good to, to figure out, like to see everything unfold and to see what size people are going to pick. So, yeah. 
Like I said, I'm rooting for everybody black. Um, (laughs) Team black for me. So, yeah, I, I one of the questions I have going back to the conversation that Corley's had with Rainey's um, about, you know, the secession of their kids, Rainey's suggesting that, you know, Bela should be the heir of Driftmark. I wonder if Corliss is going to change his mind now after, you know, this supposed death of uh, Lenor, um, that maybe he'll be so filled with grief between losing uh, Lena and now Lenor that he's like, you know what? <laughs> my kids are dying just like every day now. Let me let me go ahead and, and leave my um, my heirs with something. So I'm I'm curious to know if that that um, thinking has maybe shifted after this death. Uh, so that that's the first thought that popped up in my mind. I really did like seeing the ceremony between uh, Rhaenyra and Damon, and that these two were literally like bound by blood and how this show just continues to metaphorically as well as literally show blood throughout and and to remind us that you know this is this is what this show is about we we see blood on the floor with the rats licking the blood and now we're seeing them bound their marriage vows by blood and obviously the name of the text that this comes from, Fire and Blood, we see that in the opening credits. So they're really, <laughs> they're really hitting it hard with the, the, the themes of blood on this show. But I, I love it. I'm here for it. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that Lenore and Carl have their happily ever after. <laughs> Thank you for not, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Angelica, about, you know, burying the gaze. Like that's something that is a trope that is so tired and, and so overdone. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they decided to deviate from the book because also you mentioned, you know, that um, Lenore died under suspicious circumstances, but also he dies at the hands of Carl. In, yeah. in the book. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm glad that they decided to be like, no, Carl's going to be his happily ever after and they're going to sail off into the sunset and that'll be that. I think I'm of the belief that that Rhaenyra and Damon were in on it and that yeah. that this whole thing was staged and that Rhaenyra, you know, wanted to give Lenor his his happily ever after. And that's why she said, I know. It's almost as if at that moment she's like, I know, I've got a plan. I got to figure it out. Here's yeah. how it's going to go, you know. So that's yeah. that's what I'm thinking happened. And what you had said, uh, Ryan, about maybe we'll see them uh, come back in another season. <laughs> I hope so. Just because, I mean, poor Rainies and Corlas, like both of their yeah. kids died. I don't know what the timeline is between the death of Lena and Lenor. I mean, it feels like it was like a week or something. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it feels really short. So for their sake, I hope that there's a moment where they at least know that Lenor is still alive and that he's out there and he's happy and he's living his pride-filled life, you know? And yeah, um, so, yeah. and yeah, that, that they just know that he's, that this whole thing was staged and it was to protect him and to just, you know, and also to allow... Rhaenyra's to break free of her marriage um but yeah I just I hope that they I hope that they know because it's gonna be sad just like them living the rest of their days you know thinking that their son died when he's out there alive you know so yeah 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 
We'll see. But yeah, glad he got his happy ending. And before we go, I, I forgot to mention um why I feel like uh Helena's prophecy was fulfilled because she mentioned dragon flesh makes dragon thread. Um, so you know, Amond is the blood of the dragon. He was cut. Um, Rhaenyra is the blood of the dragon. She was cut, and they both got stitched up. I mean, I'm sure there's more to it later down the line, but that is thread, and that is dragon flesh. So you know, our, our yeah, our girl be be pointing stuff out. But yeah, that is the episode. It was packed full of drama, and we had so much to go over. But thanks for hanging in there with us. I know this was this was quite of a long episode, but <laughs> l- listen, we again we had a lot to unpack. There was a lot of drama. This is an amazing episode, and there's going to be more drama to come. So, of course, as always, please follow us on at Black Girl Nerds on Twitter because we do live tweet the show Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We use the hashtag Dragons, y'all, and we'll see you next week as we recap our next episode. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.